You are listening to Masters Decoded podcast series. I'm your host and the chief decoder, Anis Merchant. Through this podcast, I bring in guests who are successful in a different walk of life to decode and map out their careers and journeys with the hope that we gain all our learnings. The world around us is changing exponentially and how the impact of artificial intelligence technology and other socio-economic factors have either influenced or enhanced my guest careers. My next guest on today's episode is going to make you feel hungry as he takes all of us on a gastronomical and fun trip down the memory lane. I'm pleased to have a conversation with Jaydeep Mukherjee, also known as JD in the food industry. JD is an alumnus of IHM Mumbai and started his career with Taj Mahal Hotel Mumbai where he earned his chef stripes post his career with Taj Mahal hotels he joined the infamous and iconic luxury cruise liner Queen Elizabeth II in 2002 he took the mantle of chef de cuisine then that of executive chef and finally corporate executive chef of the Gustavus Hospitality the Maverick company gave the country the iconic indigo and rewrote the rules of exquisite gastronomy in Mumbai In the 16 years spent with the company, Chef JD was instrumental in opening new restaurant owned and operated by DHL. In August 2018, Chef JD joined Impresario Handmade Restaurants as brand head for the decade-old Mokhas Deli and was instrumental in revamping the brand into a new fresh avatar. From refreshing the menu to introducing new techniques and styles of cooking, JD has even kick-started the goodness to go vertical that will focus on healthy, organic food. freshly made for patrons to grab a quick meal a man of varied interests jd is an avid traveler and biker a talented photographer and reasonably skilled musician but yes the kitchen remains his first love i've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation with jd and i'm sure you would too post this engaging conversation so let me get on with it hi jd welcome to masters decoded podcast series thanks for taking time out Hey Anis how are you doing thank you so much for having me on your show thanks for asking JD for the benefit of the audience JD uh, it would be good for you to share a little bit about yourself uh, what you currently do and what is your current role in the company you work for so yes uh, JD is actually Jaydeep uh, Mukherjee um, i came to study in bombay many years back uh, so while at the ihm bombay which is the uh, hotel school of choice those days uh, jaydeep got rechristened to to jd and it has stuck most people in the industry know me as jd and few as jaydeep so yeah uh, i am uh, i have been a chef all my life and all my working life and uh, i've been with uh, several companies and currently i am with a huge uh, beautiful uh, restaurant company called impresario hospitality Impresario is the is the company that owns and runs uh, everything from social to smokehouse delis to mocha and uh, these are we we call them handmade restaurants so that's the culture of the company and i uh, i look after smokehouse delis um, i i head the brand smokehouse delis and uh, the custodian of the brand so to say and i look after everything um, about the brand the experience the offering the food the menus uh, you name it so you mentioned you came to mumbai and you studied food as a subject in ihm but what got you started uh, in the food industry 
if you take it back so if i take it back i'll have to take it back many many years uh, <laughs> to to the early childhood days so i grew up uh, i grew up in a small industrial uh, city called jamshedpur my dad was with uh, the tatas and he was an mm. engineer and uh, looked after a certain department there so growing up was in this beautiful slightly hilly township that uh, telco had which was an integrated place so growing up um, had a lot of outdoor activities involved so uh, we were a bunch of guys who almost uh, we were outdoor outdoors for hours every day and outdoors meant uh, treks hikes cycling trips here and there and you know we just spent so much time outside that at a point uh, as we grew older to learn how to cook or or to have some basic cooking skills was a must alongside we were also boy scouts so we had these camps we went to we had these little uh, gatherings uh, in in the woods or on some river bed or some some place uh, around town and uh, we were expected to go there equipped uh, with whatever was the agenda for the day i mean tools uh, for that and oftentimes it was cooking it was it uh, entailed uh, cooking up whipping up something hmm. so from an early uh, from early childhood to do a few things even at home was was the norm pretty much and uh, i was cooking bits and pieces sandwiches or whatever i mean uh, hadn't been exposed to a lot of food then but then uh, we i did my little bit of cooking every now and then so exposure began there uh, my ancestral home was in kolkata and uh, every summer i used to spend a lot of my summer there so this was this uh, huge ancestral uh, you know 300 almost uh, years old uh, house which was uh, massive and the entire clan kind of congregated there from across the globe across various cities and uh, so uh, it it became a very festive affair every summer and uh, we had these huge fleet of cooks uh, in, in the house and they were called thakurs mm-hmm. and uh, they were from orissa yeah. most of them yeah so in bengal uh, a lot of uh, cooks were actually from orissa and they did bengali food and uh, there isn't so much difference really and these uh, we had this this complete uh, fleet of thakurs i can remember about four of them right now four or five of them Okay. And uh, that was my first exposure to an organized kitchen so to say. They didn't wear chef coats. Okay. They worked in dhotis and kurtas, uh, I mean banyans. Yeah. But at the same time they had a they had a very uh, very dictated, you know, there was a, a proper hierarchy. The head thakur was the master. Uh, he gave the commands, everybody followed. There was a certain way that everything had to be done. And uh, he 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 took people to task really and was a complete uh, in puritan and uh, he enforced a very strong discipline in his team mm. and he swatted us kids the house was full of kids my age junior senior junior all of that and he swatted us kids out of his kitchen uh, like uh, he'd be swatting the flies because he bothered them all the time so something or the other was always cooking in that huge kitchen and over charcoal fires and i remember the smell still which is amazing you know it's been what about many many years now many decades now i still remember those distinct smells those aromas of of fresh turmeric being uh, being ground on the on, on those stones uh, masalas being ground there weren't any mixer grinders there there was no gas in the house it was all cooked over charcoal flames so that was my first exposure to cooking and i kind of i was besotted right 
loved everything that came out of there, kept eating all the time. So food has always uh, had a soft corner in my heart. So eating and then eventually cooking. So finally, at one point when a career choice had to be made, there were several options. Mm-hmm. And uh, designing was something I was very serious about. Uh, the army, in fact, was something I was more serious about. Okay. But eventually, it so happened that uh, I think uh, I found my calling here. So I came to Bombay. I got selected uh, at the uh, IHM. There was a joint entrance exam in those days. And uh, came to Bombay. I had folks here. So I lived for a while with my uncle and auntie. And uh, eventually moved into the hostel. And uh, that's how life in the industry began. Very impressive. The way you carved out the story of your of your ancestral home in uh, Kolkata, it just I could see a reel of a movie playing in front of my eyes. <laughs> it was beautiful the way you spoke about the pounding of the masalas, the chef, you know, shooing away the kids. It it was surreal. I would just say, uh, it was beautiful the way you put it. So on that, uh, you know, I see a lot. From the head Thakur, you've taken some of those learnings and have you imbibed some of those, I would say, discipline in your uh, day-to-day life as you went on to the journey of being a chef? Because I see that as a big impact in your thinking as well. Meaning, at least just hearing you out, I could see that. Yeah, completely, Anis. So, you know, I mean, uh, not word to, I mean, not verbatim, if I can say so. Perhaps uh, also not, um, I mean, in, in, its, in that exact description. But what I learned, and uh, I mean, this is no exa- exaggeration, what I learned even then at that, uh, that very nascent stage of my, of my formative years was that there had to be that, that uh, drive for excellence. You know? mm. uh, they were cooking for 50 plus people for every meal. These were household meals. These weren't restaurant meals. But the masala had to be ground just right. The mustard had to be ground just right. A little here and there and the the mustard. And mustard is a huge thing in a Bengali household. Yes. So it had to be ground just right or it could go bitter. Or if a chutney had to be made, uh, the sugar syrup had to be thickened just right or reduced just right till it formed those three strings or four strings, whatever the case may be. I mean, those weren't the days where you had sugar thermometers like we do in our kitchens today. But then yeah. today I realize, you know, the science behind it. But even those those people who were from villages and did not have any education, so to say, uh, were doing these things with, with that one pursuit for excellence, which to me, I mean, was a huge thing. I perhaps did not perceive it in this fashion then. But today, looking back, that is the only realization. And I think I have managed to carry that forward, uh, take take trouble, you know, take uh, go in for the details. I think uh, the details is where everything is. And I think it, it pertains to all facets, all aspects of your life. I, I, I wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, whether it's whether it's a motorcycle ride that I'm doing or whether I'm cooking or a photography or music, whatever it may be, the beauty or the final, I mean, whatever stage of excellence that you reach is, I think, in, is in the minor details. And those cannot be ignored. So that one learning I brought to my kitchen in a very big way. And uh, I've been a hard taskmaster. A lot of my boys will vouch for it. (laughs) But I believe uh, over the years, I've also managed to teach people uh, a few good things in life, which they have carried forward with them. And uh, 
the, the largest learning has been there aren't any shortcuts for sure no and you bring up a, a very interesting point i'm a big foodie myself and uh, you know i also have an aspiration that one day i will have my own restaurant uh, that's my retirement uh, philosophy uh, not go ahead and put my legs up on an armchair but actually open up a restaurant because i love eating food and love treating people with food uh, nice i'll help you with that sure look forward to it in <laughs> fact just before this i was helping my family they are cooking up something right now so i was just helping them out but anyways uh, but i also believe that through my own journey i've realized that as you rightly said uh, you know a little bit here or a li- little bit there can taste the taste profile of a food or a particular item in the food drastically and i believe strongly that food is a blend of art and science art why because if food look good uh, it invokes your senses from a visual perspective and if it tastes good it invokes all the other senses and uh, the entire food being cooked you know also invokes your hearing senses so it's a balance of art and science at least in my perspective would you agree completely anil so i think that's a very beautiful point it's a very valid point uh, it's a point that the industry ponders on on almost uh, you know the, the, it's been a very age old discussion yeah whether it's science whether it's arts i think it's a beautiful combination of both i mean let me kind of elaborate on that uh, let's say we are speaking of uh, the perfect shoe pastry or the perfect flaky pastry laminated pastry yeah. you have this croissant at, at at some store and it is handmade and it is just beautiful you take a bite it is just beautiful crispy on the outside uh, moist on the inside buttery and you see these these thousands of layers inside correct mm-hmm. so what is it is it art it is science is it science it's science yeah correct? it is science. i mean if it isn't that perfect uh, it isn't that perfect fold it isn't uh, if it isn't that perfect blend or the ratio of flour to butter to sugar all of that and and in the process of lamination i mean that's physics yeah uh, if if the butter is not at the perfect temperature if it's been worked too much you will not get that product you will get something which is entirely different uh, and that applies to almost everything that is cooking i mean that perfect caramelization that that makes you know that tandoori chicken just just out of the world i mean uh, or that um, or the creme brulee the crust on top uh, just just beautiful just just cracks under a little tap from your spoon and the custard there inside is just creamy and gooey and melts in your mouth so all of this is science but then would it be possible to replicate these in a chemistry lab i i wouldn't think so why because i mean why does it taste so divine it's also because the guy there is adding his personal you know that little bit of affection to for the trade for for i mean he's adding that little bit of his soul of his touch to it and uh, that is the reason so that that could be the art part of it he decorates it he thinks of these fabulous plate presentations and all of that so great science to cook it with and then a beautiful aesthetic approach towards plating it that is art and uh, it's a combination and i think through the process at every stage both work quite parallelly one next to the other to get you that one plate that the chef is so proud for you to i mean uh, i mean presents to you and uh, you're just besotted because it is out of the world you just made me hungry sir <laughs> <laughs> so uh 
you know, when I look at your professional career, you worked uh, after your graduation from the IHN. You worked for a cruise liner, if I'm not mistaken. And no, I started off uh, straight out of IHM Bombay. I got selected by the Taj, Taj Group, Group of Hotels. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was at uh, the Taj Mahal Mumbai uh, for several years. I, in fact, earned my stripes, so to say, there. So hmm. we had to spend the initial two years uh, like like really slogging our butts off. I mean, 18, 20 hours a day. Yeah. And uh, after which you get your stripes, you get your scarf, so to say. Yeah. And the scarf is a checkered, is a black and white checkered scarf. Till then, you've been wearing a white scarf. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what a chef's scarf yep. looks like, yeah. right? The yeah. little knot in front. Yes. Um, and then after two years, two and a half years, in some cases, you earned your striped uh, scarf. And that immediately brought you, projected you, and landed you in another league. Why? Because only chefs wore that. Chefs, regardless of, of their position, the, mm. the corporate, the executive chef of the hotel, of course, wore a different scarf. No, I think at Taj, he also wore the same scarf. So once you earn the black and white, there was no differentiation between chefs. It wasn't like, so it, it was a very big deal in our times. So two years there and then uh, two and a half years there. And I, I worked at the Zodiac Grill restaurant, which mm -hmm. was then the temple almost, you know. The, yeah. Of, of good cuisine, of uh, great novel of European food. Post that, I moved on to work uh, on a cruise liner on, on ships owned by this company called Cunard, mm -hmm. the same company that owned the Titanic, by the way. Yeah. So age-old uh, British company. Now it's American, though. So I spent some lovely years traveling the world, uh, sailing the world on, on two ships. Uh, one was called the Royal Viking Sun, which was a much smaller ship, which was uh, hugely rated in the Berlitz Guide. So smaller, but then far, far more exclusive. So very few passengers, but very expensive uh, cruises. So naturally it brought in some, some very high-end uh, people. And the other was the QE2, which was a massive ship, but at the same time uh, was world-renowned and uh, it did some amazing cruises. So yeah, world cruises, uh, cruises through Scandinavia, down under Africa. I mean, uh, nice. I've visited a lot of countries and sailed the world that way. Beautiful. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I also started my career in food industry, not as a professional, but it was a summer job. Okay. Uh, but I ended up working for there for three years. Uh, the first store of McDonald's in India, which was in Mumbai, the Bandra one. I was a manager there, um, left as a manager there. Uh, so that's why the food passion came up from my first job, and it is still there. But I see you opening one very soon. <laughs> sure, definitely. After all this lockdown, definitely it's up in my cards. Uh, but when I look at all the companies you've worked for, before right. Evan Smokehouse and Preserio, uh, has there been any common theme you've seen uh, between these companies or the cruise liner? My longest stint in this business of uh, of hospitality in the business of food yeah. uh, has been with the Gustavus Hospitality. Yeah. Uh, the Gustavus per se is not uh, well known as a company, but Indigo Delhi was yes. the brand that I started. Okay, um, I started uh, meaning, of course, I worked for the company, but I was the chef who. Uh, started the first Indigo Delhi in Kolaba, and then mm -hmm. uh, I did the next nine. So I started 10 of them. Uh, 
before I finally quit. So I was with Rahul Akirkar uh, for well, with the company for all of 16 years and with Rahul for a better part of those 16 years. I think about uh, 12, uh, some 12, 12 and a half years were with Rahul. And uh, so through my career, I've, I've worked with some very good people, uh, guys who understood hospitality, mm -hmm. uh, had a great attitude towards hospitality, felt hospitality, you know, at the bottom of their heart and loved to mingle, loved to bring to people, not just good food, uh, gastronomy in general, okay. you know, good food, great hospitality, uh, complete uh, friendly vibes and all of that. So this is, this is what I learned from, from the stalwarts in the business. I mean, uh, there were incidents where, um, a table perhaps did not, let's say, at Indigo in those days when Indigo was at its, you know, at its prime. Uh, people, uh, a table perhaps commented that, you know, everything else was awesome, but the lobster risotto today was not up to the mark. And Rahul would just say, you know what, your meal is on me. I mean, it's, it's a contract. It's an unsigned contract between you and me that you come in here, you put, you put your faith and trust in me. Yeah. And if for some reason I've not been able to live up to your expectations, um, I do not have the right to charge you or take any money from you. And I mean, stuff like this, you know, which, which no business school would teach you or no business leader would teach you is what I learned from him. I mean, basics of hospitality, like you would treat people in the restaurant exactly the way you would treat them at home. And did it mean losses? No, it didn't. I mean, things like this, you know, uh, were done with perfect, with great intentions. And oftentimes people were so happy and so touched and so overwhelmed by this act of honesty and kindness that they would, they would bring back friends. They would come back in very large numbers. And then it actually made more business sense, but we didn't do it from that perspective. So what I'm trying to explain is that yeah, meaning these, these stalwarts of the industry, so 16 years with, with a person like him, and then we grew together. So uh, the Delis became my baby, and I looked after them, and uh, we did fabulous things there. Mm. So currently with Impresario Hospitality, where I joined uh, uh, because I got this opportunity from Riyaz Amlani, who is a guy who's also a huge stalwart of the industry, yeah. and somebody I've admired all my working life, right from when he started his first restaurants on, on Girgaon Chow Party. Yeah. That's when I first uh, heard of Riyaz and uh, got to meet him eventually uh, very soon after that. And uh, we, we've kept in touch over the years and always uh, have adv admired him for what he stood for, for the balls he had, for the stuff um, <laughs> that he's done in the business yeah. and for social, for for his complete, uh, his, his complete thinking, you know, for what... Um, he has brought to the trade and uh, the kind of risks he's taken to bring to the trade and to the city and to, to our country in, in general, you know, the, the huge benchmarks that he's set and broken and reset and the, the barriers that he's moved. I, I admire him hugely. I'm with him today and uh, working and taking care of Smokehouse Ali where I'm doing interesting things. And uh, let's see what the future holds for us post this crisis. Yep. Uh, things are definitely interesting in these testing times. Uh, but, you know, during these testing times, and you've seen a lot in the last two decades, if somebody is thinking about building a career today, uh, what would you advise them, specifically in the food industry? And there's so much to do now in food industry than when you started off. 
correct me if I'm wrong, uh, because I do see people who have multitudes of careers now. Uh, you can be a sous chef, pastry chef. It can be any. If I'm saying it right, if I understand it right, uh, but there's so many careers than when you started off. I agree, Anis, uh, with most of what you're saying. I disagree with a little bit of what you're saying. Okay. So also kind of, you know, to sum up one little bit that I wished to speak of in your as part of your earlier question. Okay. So what I found common, and it's also relevant to this question, what I found common to these to these larger companies, and that, that was your question, yeah. is the pursuit of excellence. Hmm. Is the pursuit of excellence. So... Now, the relevance of that to this question is get into this business only if you're 100% sure that you have it in you. Okay. okay? Uh, trust me, and I'm saying this from years of experience, not many people do. Okay. okay. It is one thing to be told by friends and family that you're good, that you make this particular dish well or that particular dish well. It's a completely different ball game to get into the business, sink in huge, huge sums of money, and then see another facet of the business that you'd completely not thought of or kind of not uh, been willing to get into is what you realize. It's, it's like any other business, but the risks and uh, the pitfalls are far, far, far too many. I mean, your... Um, you're just kind of governed by archaic laws, rules, regulations, licensing, all of that. Margins are pathetic, despite uh, what anybody may tell you. Um, GST and all of this just eats everything up, uh, the fact that we don't get input credit and all of that. To get into the business, um, and even, even from a complete employee perspective, I mean, all of this I said is for people who may want to invest money in, and do the business of food. And even from an employee perspective, it isn't a very well-paid uh, industry. For the first many years of your career, yeah. you'll earn a fraction of what your friends with MBAs or engineering or other degrees would earn, perhaps. Uh, forget earning a lakh rupees as you enter an industry as you would today, most other industries. Forget earning it here. Uh, to, to add to that, enormously long hours on your feet for most of them unless you have a cushy back office job, which you won't, trust me. So get into it only if you really, really, really enjoy it and uh, you feel that you have it in you. Ideally, do an internship in some restaurant which is busy, which, which does good business that you've admired. Most restaurants don't have any qualms about allowing interns and uh, you should do that. You should do a little internship. You should work with some of the stalwarts in the business and see for yourself. Do it for a couple of weeks and you'll get a pretty clear understanding of uh, what the business is all about, the risks, um, the benefits. But yes, having said all of this, um, would I do anything else? I do not really think so. It gives me enormous joy to feed people. Uh, I, I still till date observe people after I've served them that bowl of uh, risotto or, or, or a grill or whatever. And I just kind of wait to see that first expression on their faces. And uh, I, I tell you, nothing else thrills me or gives me more joy than that expression. Amazing. Beautiful. Now, when you think about, as the, you spoke about, you know, do it only if you have it in you. But you also see a lot of Technology specifically has enabled a lot of home chefs, or not trained chefs, become celebrities chefs in some form or shape. Uh, you know, like YouTube, there are people who are earning 
much more than probably somebody would earn in a restaurant. What's your perspective around that? I think it's beautiful, Anis. Uh, you know the kind of opportunities that have opened up today, and uh, trust me, to be a good cook, do um, you really need a lot of education? Do you really need to go to a hotel school or a cook? I mean, a culinary academy? No rubbish. You don't need to go anywhere. Yeah. A lot of people are naturally gifted. Uh, they can whip up. Uh, I mean, they can whip up magic um, in in household kitchens. I've met so many of them. My wife is a great example of one such. Okay. Um, she's a CA by education and uh, by, by, I mean, that way by learning. But um, she is one of uh, the best cooks um, I have known. I mean, who has not had formal culinary education. My mother was another great example. I mean, uh, she could whip up these amazing European dishes. And this is, this is from decades back, I'm saying. Her mm. learning was from the local library where she would physically copy. I mean, you didn't have a copy machine then, you know. Yeah. Uh, she would physically copy recipes from Good Housekeeping and these books into a diary. I still have that diary with me. So, no, yeah. I don't believe you need culinary education at all. You need the passion. You need love for food. And you need love for people more than, more than love for food. You'll, you'll cook a splendid meal, put in that much more love and affection in it if, if the people you're cooking for are close to your heart. Yeah, I, I believe that. And uh, yeah, love for the trade and all of that is, is secondary, but you need that affection in you and that passion in you. So yeah, these, these home cooks, some of them do just fantastic jobs and hats off to them. You spoke about love for food now and uh, love for people. And in the previous conversation, you spoke about reaching excellence. And because of all of that, I do see food industry has also introduced a lot of new ingredients, which typically you would not think about introducing, whether it's flowers or gold and many more such ingredients, as well as technology, like you said, the thermometer, which you didn't have in those good old days, and now you have that. What's, what have you seen change in the last 22 years, which has been fascinating for you especially? Well, plenty has changed. Okay, so speaking of ingredients, yes, yeah. people have, I mean, discovered a lot of ingredients. The current uh, ingredient of choice, let's say, in the city is avocado. Yeah, uh, yeah um, gold uh, foil, like you just mentioned. There are a lot of gimmicky things have been done over the years uh, to each his own. It's not my kind of food. Okay. Um, I appreciate great technology. I appreciate great technology in, in the equipment that we use. Right from, let's say, a Pacojet uh, that, that freezes uh, anything, in fact, uh, to a Thermomix, which, which does the job uh, of great commercial mixers, plus many, many, many other things, uh, to a SUVI, to an uh, immersion circulator, uh, to uh, a smoke gun. So technology has seeped into the kitchen in across. You know, There are some beautiful pieces of equipment out there. But all of it can be listed in the fingers of one one hand, so to say. Hmm. Uh, what hasn't changed is uh, is creativity. Even then, and it's not just creativity; it is the genre of food that you're doing, or what is it that is signature you? Are you trying to be somebody else? Are you trying to be, you know, Ferran uh, Edria uh, and trying to do molecular gastronomy? Or are you trying to kind of find your own, uh, I mean, where you stand, who you represent, what you uh, kind of have uh, created? 
So it depends entirely on all of that. But technology has helped in a very big way. Whether it is it is brought in new food or new uh, products or new offerings is is questionable. What it has helped do is uh, is is kind of ape the West. And uh, when we speak of European food or even Indian food, the modern Indian and all of that yeah. is on account of all of this technology that's come, right? Whether mm. it has brought in better food, no, I don't think so. I don't agree. Would I want to have a pani puri, you know, with smoke coming out of its um, rare and through a glass and all that? No, I, I don't. If I want a good pani puri, I'll, I'll go to the best pani puri wala, you know, in the city, yeah. in my neighborhood, and I have a good pani puri there. If I go to an Indian kitchen, into an Indian restaurant, I'll have something Indian that he does remarkably well. A kebab, perhaps, or a dal, perhaps, or a rice, perhaps. You know, one of these. Yeah. So my... My take on on technology is please let's use it, you know, to create something that is is outstanding. And if it is food, let the focus be on taste. Let the focus be on texture. Let the focus be on happiness. Hmm. Whether it gives me that at the end of the meal or not, I do not want to be part of a circus that the chef wants me to be part of. Uh, so, <laughs> okay, that's, that's where I stand. Uh, that's a very, uh, very well said point. Uh, there is a lot of circus going on today, and focus on circus rather than taste profile, which really keeps you wanting for more in many of such restaurants. So, talking about food, and you know, you spoke about the taste profile also a lot. If I have to ask you your trade secret, what's your favorite ingredient, or the ingredient which you die by, and you would say it will be your Naturally, do not say salt because it's it is there in most of the food. But apart from salt, what else? You know, Anis, um, in the in the, the the this one month that has gone by, I have cooked more than I ever have at home. Wow. So earlier it was maybe a dish in a fortnight or one dish a month maybe. Uh, now I am cooking uh, what every other day, okay. almost. And uh, what I found very fascinating is that. You know the simplicity of uh, even the science behind a lot of homestyle cooking. Yeah. Behind a lot of uh, so we we speak of uh, we speak of building up food in layers, right? Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to explain is that regardless of cuisine, whether it is high elite French cuisine or whether it is uh, American food or whether it is Indian food and not just Indian food. I mean, whether it is any traditional, ethnic, regional Indian food, good food, you will notice is built up in layers. You know? Yes. And what I'm what I'm discovering here is uh, that there are these simple blends of, let's say, a spice and a vegetable, or a spice and an aromatic vegetable that are age old and which marry so beautifully that you simply cannot ignore it that it is it is just remarkable and it is outstanding for example uh, poppy seed happens to be my favorite ingredient at the moment correct okay poppy seed fresh coconut a drop of mustard oil and green chili four simple ingredients uh, not expensive ingredients you blend the food together and i tell you it is the most most outstanding blend of masala or it is the most outstanding kind of marination that i have tasted in recent years 
ginger and fennel song yeah pounded together amazing concoction you know so these have been some of my favorite ingredients i'm trying to rediscover reunderstand re kind of educate myself on these spices only yesterday i was asking my wife about clubs that mm-hmm. have you come across a recipe where the hero is club you know uh, she hadn't i'm looking it up now i think that that complexity of the aromas of of club is just amazing yeah. i mean there is so much in in this country or in our in ingredients that we have all around us that we haven't yet discovered that perhaps our grandparents cooked with and understood so much better than we do and it it bothers me that we move we are choosing to move away from all of this beauty this rich everything that we have tradition heritage you name it and we are moving away towards modern indian with gimmicky blends and all of that so you know coming back there's so much here that that still requires discovery i completely agree at our household everything is hand pounded and believe that you know let's grind up all our masalas at home rather than oh, buying nice. it from uh from the market as a packaged food because you don't know what's gone in first and you whatever you do at home i always believe the hand the taste of the hand passes through the food pretty quickly absolutely and that is unique to everyone absolutely uh, and it passes through every type of pieces you cook so you do you did touch upon a very interesting point much earlier on in the conversation about how you know that about your own demeanor in the kitchen and you are a tough person so what are you like really in the kitchen so let's say when you enter smokehouse delhi at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock in the morning what is your game face <laughs> on what is your game face on and what do you put on uh, which basically says okay i am here and then how does it come across the entire day so you know the game face uh, this has changed over the years okay. right uh changed over the years and changed kind of drastically so in my this in this present uh, role in this present avatar uh, so when i was uh, meeting riaz in the initial uh, uh, days of my having applied uh, to him and all of that he explained to me that you know you've been a chef all this while what's next dude you know what do you want to do hmm. so i said uh, you know i've been at at indigo delhi i pretty much looked after the cleanliness of the bathroom to the ceiling to to everything so you tell me what you want me to do and i'm happy to do it he said i want a custodian you know for the brand and i was game for it okay so in this current avatar i don't really wear a chef coat i don't okay. uh, get into the kitchen so much i do meaning uh, you can't keep a chef somebody who's been in the business for over 20 years out of the kitchen yeah i do i do get in but at the same time uh, my involvement uh, in the kitchen i actually Uh, started uh, the indigo delis uh, from scratch you know from from conceptualizing the menus and all of that with rahul's help but that's where i i was on the counter i was cooking every day the daily special menu of 15 dishes uh, i i designed i drew up i curated got the ingredients and that's where i did a lot of cooking nice. so single minded devotion and uh, pursuit towards excellence excellence my way or the highway very 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 clearly so any professional kitchen whether somebody likes it or not is run like uh, the army is lo- run like the military okay. there is only one boss it's his way um, and nobody else's way so my way of working is a mix of that 
to a large extent and also a little bit of democracy okay. i allow everybody uh, the chance to contribute towards new menus uh, so prior to launching something it is an open forum for weeks together where chefs and i do not limit it to designations i limit it i, I keep it open for everybody i have had great bright sparks amongst the the junior most guys working in my kitchen the green horns mm-hmm. uh, i have had some really really dud sous chefs who were who got into the business simply because somebody told them that you know you should be a chef uh, but didn't have an iota of creativity in them so i've, I've worked with all kinds so i leave it open uh, people come up with ideas we brainstorm brainstorms are huge uh, things in the kitchen okay. so guys uh, come up with amazing ideas and it is very clearly not about where the idea came from but about the idea so once uh, that phase is over and we frozen on the dish and uh, being the boss uh, you you given your last bit of instruction because you perceive things a certain way uh, all of that is done then there is no deviation so the game phase changes when the deviation sets in so you explain to the boy that you know <laughs> this lobster has to be seared at let's say 180 degrees celsius or 200 degrees celsius the pan should be smoking hot and all of that and uh, it should just be seared and then should be put into butter which is at 73 degrees and then you know poached or whatever and you come into the kitchen the following day and you realize that kind of other temperatures are askew by 10 15 degrees so that's when the game phase changes okay and that's when often times i become a complete terror have been but uh, do i have regrets i don't think so i do not think excellence can be achieved uh, uh, by being uh, nice and sweet all the time i have no pretenses about it i am not nice and sweet all the time at the same time if somebody recognizes and understands that there is a lot to learn from somebody uh, i don't think uh, his uh, his being harsh or his being completely aggressive about it should matter and in most cases it hasn't matter i have uh, i am in touch with uh, boys who have trained under me over many 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 years and uh, they've not been working for me now for many many years decades almost but they keep in touch i have great respect for them they respect me a lot and uh, i think that is you know what finally matters it's not about being a uh, yes man it's not about being nice and sweet to people it's about chasing excellence and being willing to pay a certain price and uh, being willing to kind of pay the toll on it and across this careers and across these brands that you have worked with jd you might have had some quirky moments you know i have had in the first 3 years of my life right and restaurants industry has that and many of them and uh, you know you can almost write a book of those quirky moments at least i could uh, do that for the first 3 years of my life uh, do you remember any of them or you want to highlight <laughs> many many of them yeah yeah so incidents right from uh, right from my days at zodiac grill where uh, i worked under chef amit choudhury who is currently the big boss of taj mahal hotel mumbai yeah uh, chef amit is somebody i have great great respect for so he was my boss he ran the kitchen he was in charge of zodiac but at the same time he was also a very dear friend almost you know not a friend really i mean we were way junior and we were greenhorns then and he was our guru then okay. but he treated us with such great respect and such conviviality and friendship almost 
that we spent a lot of personal hours, the entire crew, we'd have parties at his place and we just go chatting to over and all of that. You know? Okay. So, uh, but, but at work, he was a terror. So, yeah, the incidents like uh, there was this one time when I was new at uh, Zodiac Grill and um, Chef Amit uh, had told me that uh, I needed to improve on my, on, on the cutting, on my knife skills, you know. Okay. So, there was this one particular dish for which I think it was a consomme, uh, for which you had to chop uh, these, you know, chop is not the right word. I had to cut bowls full of this particular cut called a brunoise. Okay. Yeah. So the brunoa, technically in French cooking, and this is what you learn in, in culinary school, uh, is a cut, which is a dice, basically, which is 1 mm by 1 mm by 1 mm. Wow. You understand? Yeah. So it's tiny. <laughs> it's it's tiny. And then it is uh, it has to be perfect. So Chef Amit was a stickler for details. He would, he would uh, be there by you, you know, um, if you needed help, but he was a complete stickler and you had to give him what he wanted so very clearly so i had i spent half of the morning uh, doing this cutting chopping and all of that and uh, i i cut corners i'm sure and he he comes uh, walks into the kitchen a couple of hours after uh, i had started work he started very early in the morning and he came in and uh, he asked me ho gaya so i said ha chef ho gaya he said dikhao so I brought out the bowls, uh, half of it and all of that. So he took out, you know, a little, he took out this teaspoon that you always carried in his pocket, mm -hmm. you know, a little ivory tip at uh, the end, uh, sprinkled a few of the Bruno on a clean white plate. And, you know, suddenly all the imperfections emerged from it. So when he had a bowl full, it looked pretty okay to me, okay. to, my, to my green eyes, uh, which hadn't kind of, you know, experienced that kind of uh, excellence before. So he said, what, what is this? I mean, he didn't say it that way. He used an expletive as well. I said, Chef Brunoa, he said, uh, do you, did you go to school? Do you know what 1 mm by 1 mm by 1 mm is? I said, uh, so I kept quiet. He said, you know what you should do with this? I said, what? He said, there's a stock pot there. Do you see it? I said, yes. He said, go empty all these bowls into the stock pot and get started all over again. Wow. So damn, that's where <laughs> it all started. I, I cursed him for the next few days and all that. But today, in hindsight, when you look back, you realize that, you know, some things have to happen, have to be just the way they have to be. And if, if somebody yeah. doesn't kind of persist and if somebody doesn't enforce this discipline, um, things don't get done. Yeah. We had another guy there called Shahrukh, uh, who was uh, who was then, he wasn't a chef then. He was one of the cooks okay. in the kitchen. And I think I learned more from Shahrukh than anybody else in my entire uh, working life this guy was this huge irani guy mm -hmm. and if chef amit was uh, was a badass sharukh was like his grandfather okay. he was this this he was this monster in the kitchen and uh, being irani and all of that he he was completely quirky as had his whole full basket full of idiosyncrasies but at the same time he was this complete you know he was a perfectionist so he made, there was this dish called the chicken zodiac. Yeah. So the chicken zodiac was an amazing work of art. So Shahrukh Skitty, so we had tools, we had great quality knives and all of that in our city. Shahrukh Skitty 
included compasses, protractors, sex squares, and some such. Wow. Okay. Because when he when he rolled out his puff pastry and he he cut it with something called a trellis cutter, you know, and the trellis cutter when you after having used it, so it cuts the pastry like a net. Hmm. So when you spread it later, it actually opens up into a net. So every little box of the net, or every little that little diamond shape that that is created when you pull it apart or just kind of spread it, had to be perfect. Okay, had to be perfect meaning had to be measured perfect. And if it wasn't perfect, he would cook that dish and he would call in his friends from other kitchens and they would have a party at your expense. <laughs> so you learned, <laughs> you learned basically that you know you can't. you can't deviate you there is no option you have to give these guys what they demand whether you like it or you don't it is not your way it is their way but in hindsight later when you became a chef and you realize that if you do not enforce these this discipline then you don't get the job done so yeah these were the gurus uh, these were people i looked up to and uh, they taught me so much about the business and i've had a great Uh, i've had a lot of uh, fun with them but at the same time these these moments i will always uh, want happy moments then yeah. but i cherish them today now these moments really shape or sharpen your spear uh, which we don't realize as individuals uh, and then when we look back uh, those were those tools which sharpened us up and made us what we are today as we as we look back Now, twenty-two years, uh, JD. If you have to, if I give you a bike which is almost like a time machine, and say, mm-hmm. JD, you have an option. You can take this bike, go back, and hit rewind naturally. And given a choice, you can do it in half of the time which you took probably today to get where you are, or live the life again uh, the same way you have. Uh, what would be your choice, and why? So I'm a big believer that. of of uh, of adventure okay life is one huge adventure and i believe in change on a day to day basis i like things changing i like new challenges whatever it may be i do not like uh, things getting getting constant or getting boring or getting predictable okay so would i go back for sure man i'd go back i'd go back where uh, perhaps to my to my you know those years when you were kind of uh, deciding on who you were and what good you were and whether you were good for this uh, what what you'd like to become and perhaps i'd try something else perhaps i'd try a career which was far more uh, i mean was filled with far more adventure filled with far more wonder and amazement and uh, perhaps uh, chosen Ro- Ro- ronnie's profession so wildlife okay. Uh, wildlife and photography have always been very dear to me perhaps okay. i've done something in, in that arena but have i would have done things differently i've had fun here amazing and immense amount of fun but then yes i would definitely choose something that's so different and uh, from what i've done and uh, perhaps i just uh, want to travel and uh, shoot for nadi or one of these and you know yeah. childish uh, childhood dreams yeah live one of them okay that's an interesting twist to the answer So, have you blend your passion? Definitely, there is passion for food, but passion right. for bike, passion for photography. Uh, have you blend that up? Have you? Yeah, man, completely. So, I I travel a lot. Okay. Uh, not so much. Uh, 
international international has happened over the years i've been to many many countries while sailing even after that i've spent since learning uh, to cook italian food in italy and uh, i've traveled i've traveled a good bit uh, but i uh, what what intrigues me is traveling in india i look i really look forward to that okay i think uh, i'd rather any day if you told me jd would it be bali or would it be one of these you know would it be one of these touristy destinations or would you go to arunachal or go, would you want to go right to such pass or one of these places it would be india and it would be here uh, before any of these bali shali kind of you know destinations okay so it's the everyday adventure so i do a lot of i i i rode quite a bit uh, till a few years back but i realized that uh, so i rode with uh, not large groups i rode with friends very close friends two three of them three okay. of them so we were always three or four people we didn't have any rules really two rules of course i mean you never uh, rode when you had a drink so we i mean uh, drinks were only at night and you never rode after which and the other one was guys uh, whoever led always ensured that he saw the other boys in his rearview mirror Yeah. So that those are the two rules. You never rode away to a point where you couldn't see the other people. You rode together. So anyway, I mean, uh, so today um, I I do a lot of driving. Okay. So I hire cars from these companies, Zoom and similar, and uh, just take off. So I've done uh, drives completely uncharted to Himachal. In fact, just before the lockdown, uh, me, my wife, and uh, two uh, very dear friends. we drove into uttarakhand into some very remote places without an itinerary no bookings no nothing wow. and we had such an amazing time and i'm telling you i look forward to every minute of it to driving in those in those treacherous roads on those treacherous roads to every meal that we have whether it is maggi at a roadside dhaba or whether it is uh, munsia i mean we went to this place called munsiari this time Mm-hmm. and it's very very close to the panchchuli mountain range and there we went for a trek we came back midway because it had started snowing like crazy and uh, visibility was very poor and there was also the fear of bears coming out in a situation like this. Wow. so we we came back and uh, there was this dhaba right where this trek begins okay. the gate almost and it was snowing so much that visibility had become a problem and we go up there just hoping he'd serve us some hot tea or coffee uh, and he tells us he serves us that and he tells us uh, lunch khayenge so we asked him what was available and he said local rajma hai or uh, rice hai okay and i can't tell you anis i've not had a better meal so you know uh, in many years it is just local munsiari rajma by the way is a very famous uh, uh, rajma the, the cereal that is the yeah. legume that is so we just had that and rice and uh, I think it's not just the food, you know. It's the company, is the is the setting, is the environment, is the kind of fun you're having. It's it's uh, the fact that you're completely de-stressed. So yeah, I mean, I blend all of this together, uh, take pictures, photographs while on these trips, um, shoot videos while on these trips. Uh, there's music always. I I play a little bit of this and that. So harmonica is something I always carry with me on these trips. So bonfires, harmonicas, guitars. and you know friends and um, and and so much fun so i think uh, yeah so these trips uh, are memorable and i i mix all of it uh, not with the intention of really mixing it but with the simple intention of keeping it simple and having fun man of many skills jerry so on that note uh, 
Any parting thoughts for the listeners? I'm sure you've made all of us hungry, and anybody who listens <laughs> on this uh, would be hungry after this. But any parting thoughts for people, whether it's so, career or food or anything? No, I don't think I'm in a position to give them I mean, ideas or advice on, on on careers. I've had a good one. I've enjoyed myself. I think enjoyment is key. Uh, I think to slow down at a certain point is very important. Uh, this this lockdown has enforced slowdown on all of us, whether we like it or not. Yeah. Uh, it's taught us many valuable lessons, which I think I will cherish for the rest of my time. And uh, yes, I mean, there have been great learnings uh, in this period, you know. Yeah. And uh, going forward, I think it's a good option to see how how you can introduce more more substance in your life. Uh, it's a beautiful country that we live in. Uh, great ingredients. As, I mean, coming back to cuisine, uh, there's no real need to to pick up that uh, jar of you know peanut butter, which is American, or a pasta, which is from Italy, uh, or those imported uh, fruits or those imported vegetables. Stick to Indian. Stick to seasonal. Support your local community. Support your local restaurants and. Uh, and just uh, just just uh, have so much fun i mean you know getting this new getting your roots into this new kind of uh, ground uh, going forward that's precisely what uh, i am going to do and uh, travel more and enjoy more and have uh, a lot more fun discovering who we are our cuisines cultures all of that great great so thanks a lot jd for taking time out uh this was a beautiful and a uh, starving conversation i would say uh but uh, thanks for taking time out i really enjoyed it thank you so much anish it's been a pleasure completely and uh, thanks to all your listeners for having hung in and listened to me sure. so thanks a lot definitely chat up with you later yep take care stay safe you too Thank you for listening in and we close yet another episode of Master's Decoder. If you've enjoyed the episode, please you can help us out by sharing it on social media. I would personally appreciate that. It's how we can reach more listeners and the more listeners we have, the more awesome guests I can get in touch and convince to participate in these conversations. That are a joy to have for me and I hope they are a joy for you to listen as well. You can also help a lot leaving reviews on iTunes or your podcast service of choice. Reviews are surprisingly helpful in supporting the podcast to get to more listeners. If this episode has intrigued you, I would request you to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date and get notified to the future episodes. With that, I bid you and see you in the next episode.